This morning is 9-11, and I didn't want to pass through this morning without taking a moment to commemorate or share or remember what a powerful time it was 21 years ago. So there may be some pictures scrolling along as you begin. And I just wanted to say again, um, you know, in 21 years ago, we were viciously attacked the United States by four airliners. Two went into the one each north and south south, uh, towers of the World Trade Center. Within an hour or 100 minutes, they had collapsed. Uh, Also, at the same time, just minutes later, around 9.30, the Pentagon was also attacked with the airline and broke through and destroyed that, and many lives lost. And finally, also, the Flight 93, which is flying across probably to a federal building, the Capitol building of the White House, was commandeered by our own Americans, and it was crashed into the ground, and we know in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I just didn't want to pass in mentioning that at that time, it was terrible. The evil was released against us, and we understand that there is always evil but there's also always truth and goodness that overcomes evil. Wouldn't you agree? You saw some pictures of the rescuers, those who reached out and loved and cared for. Uh, it was, a, um, you know, in, on all this, it's always a stage setting for what God can do and through people's ordinary lives. A 27-year-old executive in one of the buildings in the World Trade Center, he escorted 12 people down from the 78th floor, carrying one woman 15 floors on his back, went back in to rescue others. Two men who were retired Marines had just retired within a week or two, and they weren't old, they were younger. They went back home, put their uniforms on, and went back in so they could be recognized and help people get rescued. They worked for hours rescuing dozens of lives out of the rubble. They stayed for weeks on end, both men. Why give their names? You won't remember them, but I just want you to know they're the ordinary people. Fantastic. We know the guys, the four or five on the Flight 93 that took control of the plane, recognized them by phone calls from their friends. And also, just to let you know, many of those flight attendants identified the attackers and giving enough information that they eventually gave them the power to track them down and find out who they were originated, resourced from, Al-Qaeda. And, um, and we were able to exact some justice there at some time. But we know Todd Beamer's famous words, probably the one they remember. Okay, ready? Let's roll. Amazing. A guy named Rick Rescula, who's already a famous uh, Vietnam veteran, who was head of the security and World Trade Center, was told to make sure all the people stay in their places. He passed on that decision right away, and he escorted 2,700 people to safety as a result with a megaphone walking down each floor singing, God bless America. He often sang to his troops on the field. He sang to all those people. His final words, amazing, really. Sorry. Or to his wife, don't worry about me. I have to get these people to safety. If you don't hear from me, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. I love you. Wow. Sorry, two things. I get emotional and I sweat. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> Can't get past my work. I'd like to change that. I'll have a conversation about that later on someday. So anyway, you know, Bravery like this, and here is Anne. You're, I have to give Anne Stock a, a byline on this. She started our chapel this week with seeing a heroic uh, bus driver stop in the middle of traffic, get out of the bus, throw her hands out to, to all the traffic, and an and autistic child was running down through, not paying any attention to the traffic, and leaped into her arms while she held traffic. She grabbed this child and then escorted him to the bus. It was a heroic act, and it pricked my heart about the heroism that's out there. Every day you see it. That's amazing. Give the Lord a hand clap on that. So. Let's take a moment and pray for our country. 
Father, on this very special date, with hearts that weigh heavy and the sacrifice that was made, but also lifted by those who had stepped into heroism, the simple things, the embraces, the cups of water, the first aid, the encouragement given, one to one. God, we ask for a reprieve. We ask for redemption. We've asked for a resurrection of this beautiful United States of America. God, we pray, conceived in liberty and birthed in genuine freedom. God, we pray that this would continually be our testimony to all the world. As they come to our shores for opportunity, they would not be disappointed. Let these things still remain our foundations, loving one another, receiving one another, not tolerating, but celebrating and bringing everyone into their full potential and full freedom. We ask for your grace. We ask for your strength. We ask for your faith and your unconditional love from sea to signing, shining sea. If you agree with that, say amen with me. Amen. amen. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. This is a well-known scripture. It is usually my plan to unpack a, a, a passage of scripture, but today I have, it's different. I have some things to give to you, and we're going to chase the Bible all over the place. So I hope you have your Bibles ready to go. So what I also want to share with you is about the heroism that is out there. I believe they're in a, such a season in culture right now. There is so much coming against us. There is always evil. You have to know that. There's always the threat of terrorism. There's always the enemy who wants to take us out and kill people and will laugh while they're dying in front of him miserably. He will, they will always have that. But conversely, and so much greater, you always have that evil is overcome by good. And when God is involved in it, it is absolutely, stunningly true in people's lives. And I have to say, in the last months here, in the last year, but the last months, I specifically have sat across the table who have risked trusting God in their lives. Men who were desperate for God to break their hearts, and he broke them. And they had, a, had, a, they had gifts of repentance dropped in them. They got their hearts back. They changed the course of their lives, moving from their, their, their um, vocation to pursuing another. I've seen families who are way beyond years adopt children. You see them up here dedicating well into their 40s, adopting babies and children, risking the future of their lives, knowing that they can make a difference in someone else's life. These are no small matters, and they are heroic, heroic. I've seen people trust God with addictions and turn their lives over and fight day by day, hour by hour, and win that fight. And I've seen God step into the life in a way that is more real and more powerful, making them more themselves than they ever were before. I'm seeing it in this group, in this place, in you people. And that's very special. I can see that. I've seen people change their businesses, change their lives, change their marriages, change the way they wink, walk, think, and talk. I'm seeing you do it. And you have to give the Lord a hand clap on that. Man, seriously. But in this moment, I'm saying, no matter, and we gather together and we have beautiful worship. It's just, oh my gosh, today, the presence of God, the power of God, the revealing of his kingdom among us, his, his presence and manifest presence. But it, can only, it can only goes so much. It, it bounces on or it expands on the openness and the surrender of our hearts, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I want to say to you, I'm seeing it. And that's the real, real world we're living in. 
And as we do that, then the whole world will come to our doorstep. And a chance not to, to praise us, but to find out the love that has transformed us will be able to be transforming them, to heal them. But a season now where it's such destruction being unleashed on individual lives. It's so amazing that a country birthed in individual freedom, but it was truly a, a mind thing that was not just freedom for me, but as I step into my freedom, it's freedom from all. And it's at the sacrifice and the giving of our lives that we realize that now in a season where freedom for each individual has become this indulgent bondage that people live in. I have to have mine. I have to have control. I have to be heard but it's all about you and it ends and begins and ends with that individual. And it's such a shame. I hope I make sense when I'm saying this. What are you saying, John? I'm saying that in this huge deception and lie, we're going to have broken lives and mutilated lives and lives that have been destroyed and lied to by the great deceiver. And they're going to end up at our door with a spark of hope saying, God, I saw this person they told me to come. They told me to come to church. And so I'm just daring to get in the car and drive here and step into the door. God, it's not us, but the spirit that lives inside of us that is poured out. Then when they step in, they feel a freedom. They feel an acceptance. They feel a love. And we're going to have broken people that are coming to this house. And we're going to have to be able to help them put their lives back together. Just by what? By loving them, wrapping around our, our arms around them. And inside, they're like, they're all screwed up. And even maybe on the outside, they're all screwed up. And we have to see them and see, look into their souls and say, I love you because I was like you. Come on. Man, what a time. But I'm, all my years, I've never seen it a time like this where every one of you counts sitting in that chair. Every one of you. And I hope you wear yourself out, expend yourself out, and drag yourself here for Wednesdays and Sundays to get filled back up. And oh, God, let's do it again. What a life do we want? What a life we get when we do this. It's so powerful and so wonderful. We get to do it again and again, year after year. We get to do this. We don't have to. We get to. So when my admonishment to you this morning, or encouragement to you, is I can see the life of Christ. And we know in Luke 2.52, it says he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. How many know that scripture? We raised our sons on it, and they've, you know, they have it's guarded and framed their lives, you know, whether they liked it or not, right, David? So. But he grew in wisdom. That's the truth and the facts, but it's knowledge applied rightly in the navigation of men's lives, Right? between heaven and earth, holding the truths and applying them. And he grew in stature, his own strength as a person, feeling his own authority, feeling his own power. Jesus grew in his stature. He also grew with favor with men, how to, how to speak to them, standing them up, but also offering them opportunity at the same time. Confronting, but also drawing. How brilliant. It had to be in the tone of his voice and the truth in his heart and the love that he carried. God, I'm going to spend the rest of my life figuring out how he did that. And he grew in favor with God, his obedience, his love to the Lord, his surrender to the Father, and his unbroken relationship. We know that's true. And so from there, though, I believe in his maturity, he stepped into three main areas. And this is my interpretation, but I believe it's really powerful. Go to Mark chapter 4. We know this story. It's such a true story. 
Jesus is laying some of the very found foundations that he starts with. We know this. This is the sower goes and sows the word, and sows the seed. And he says, some by the way sound is devoured, some, some is on the earth and it springs up, but it has no depth. We know this in verse six. And in verse seven, there's no root. In verse six, in verse seven, it falls among the thorns, it's choked out. And he says, you know, let him who, is, who can hear, let him hear. Well, of course, this is a parable and it's a mystery. They know he's talking about God, but they can't figure it out. Like, you know, it's kind of like my prophetic words. They've mostly come in like, what do they call it? Charades for me with God, you know. Sounds like two syllables. I'm like, God, why don't you just say it? You know what I mean? But anyway, that's just how my life is. <laughs> Some people get words and impressions. I get like charades. Okay, so. <laughs> like, God, seriously, we're going to have this talk, so. But he brilliantly unfolds this in the following page. If you switch over there, in verses 14, he really reveals it. The sower sows the word. He's not sowing the seed, but it's as if he's seeding the field when he does this. Now look, many of us read through this like, oh boy, I'm glad I'm not one of those people with no root. I'm starting to categorize all the people in the field, right? Look, guys, this is parts of your life. Absolutely is. And also it's the field in which you're standing in. God's not talking to you to categorize those people. He's talking to you about sowing seed into their life. So that when they get from having no root to having a little root, being scared and being choked by the worries of the world, then they move from there to being, when they're threatened, they're actually standing and they be threatened and they fold. It's the way of praying for these people and seeding continually the people in your lives, not pushing away and, and, just, and just putting them on the, and saying, oh, well, they'll never make it, they'll never make it. They're not like that. We're looking for the real good ones. What, are you kidding me? Every one of us are every part of that field, Right? Is that okay to say that? Okay, I'm getting a little excited. I gotta settle down. But that's the truth. Oh my gosh. Wake up and read it. And then the field you're in, you can have all kinds of these people, and God brings them to you. It's not like He brought them to Him by accident. Oh God, He didn't know that Mr. So and so was gonna be such a putz. Okay, seriously. Of course He did. He knew all these people would be in your life, and you're there to sow the seed. And what is the word? The word is amazing. The word, <laughs> look, it's your religious face. It's okay, it's just really terrible, okay? You should be like, oh, the word. Okay, so we know in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, the word is powerful and stronger than a two-edged sword. Thank you so much, tech team. The piercing in between the division and soul and spirit. Soul and spirit, that's my mind, will, and emotions and the spirit, the destiny, the, the breath of God in me. It actually begins to divide those things because my soul's wrong and it gets it aligned into the spirit, which is right. That's amazing, John. Yep. Join Samara and discern of the thoughts and the hearts. That's amazing stuff, isn't it? So you're reading and eating your Cheerios at breakfast in the morning, just reading the word. Oh, yeah. But it's... But what's amazing is it has weight. It has power. What it's saying is greater than two-edged swords. Folks, this is, this is nuclear. This is powerful. This is alive. And when you take it in as quietly and as boringly as you take it in, someday during the day, it's, it's going to come out outside of you and push out in your mouth, push out of your brain, push out of somewhere. It's going to come inside and come alive. It's going to first waken your soul up and then and also thrust you out toward those around you. And that's what the Word of God does in our life. It's, I'll never get over that. the Word of Faith that came into our lives in the late 70s, early 80s. It, it just brought the truth, who I am in Christ, how to maintain my relationship, my covenantal rights, the freedom of the believer, the authority of the believer. Man, these things were real. They weren't like some little weird mantra I did. They were life. Why? Because the men who were speaking them, their lives were evidently transformed. Jerry Seville, who is a, a garage car painter, okay, being changed. Now, look, I came from that world, okay? So I saw these guys' lives change. But what more, even that, you saw their, 
personal relationship with the Lord, which was powerful. But when you put the word in, it makes you care. I don't have to explain it any other way than that. It's alive. It starts to shake and touch things that you've forgotten or laid dormant. Fighting the greatest diseases in our lives, which are discouragement and apathy. They're not physical diseases out of the worst. Discouragement, the loss of hope, the loss of faith, the loss of love. Come on. Apathy, I don't care. Man, you feed yourself this word every day and you'll begin to care whether you like it or not. And I hope it doesn't really matter, does it then? Then you'll like it. Exactly what happens. Am I talking to you? The word of God is just, just read it. Put it in. Get your Bible out and look at it. There's so many ways to do this, especially in the information. This is not more, this is way more than information. It's loaded with heart, attitude, context, understanding. The understanding heart of God and the understanding heart of you, it will sift your heart is actually what it says in Hebrews 4.12. It'll sift you understanding that's me and that's God, I choose. Always leaves you with a choice, doesn't it? Oh yeah, you just heard me say that to you. It's your choice. The second part of that is Romans chapter 10, verse 27. Hearing comes by, the, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <laughs> That's just such a religious response, yo. Come on. That means the more you put it in, the more it makes you care. The more that faith starts to rise up, that, what is that faith that's that trust in God? Like, I recognize him here. I recognize him in here. I recognize him in my dreams. I recognize him in my everyday. He starts to come up. And faith, not denial of the circumstances that we're in, but overcoming truth applied to the circumstances, filtering all the things that you're coming against, and still seeing God in there, still having hope in there, still having love in there, even though you don't, it does everything in the circumstances say not. That's what it actually brings into your heart, a hope, a love, and a faith. And that rises up. So faith comes by hearing, but hearing by the word of God. So that changes that field, doesn't it, when you start to seed it? Because now you're starting to seed it with something that's alive. And you keep seeding it, and then you know faith is going to come through somewhere. And, and doctor, most difficult person in the world, whole world will come out with something. He'll say like, well, maybe God loves me. Ah, yes. And inside you're being like crazy. But on the outside, you're like, yeah, that's actually true. You know, so. Because faith is coming from that seed that you've put in there. Are you catching this? But guys, this is the season we're in that every one of us counts. It's just fascinating to me in reading history you know, the, the regime of the Nazis couldn't go further than the souls of the people in the country that were willing to receive that deception. They actually had to bring propaganda and control and begin to manipulate the crowds. They couldn't just force it on them. They had to seed it so that they would buy into the deception. And the country could only go as far as they were willing to be reprobates, I guess. Oh, don't, th don't judge the Nazis. We're every bit, anybody's fragile enough to get this wrong. Do you understand that? I don't mean to shock you, but, but so much more the truth, the living word of God coming into us and bringing us eternal faith, faith that has been brought from Abraham all the way to us and now. Every character in the Bible daring to trust God and taking that word and that encounter they had with him and, and taking it into them and meditating on it. And that word bringing faith and trust in the God that is speaking to them. 
And that becomes the reality. And that is the great mix between heaven and earth. A man possessed, a woman possessed, a child, a teenager possessed by the presence, the truth, the word, the living word, the, the, not the logos, but the raiment, the revealing of God into their personal life and letting, him, them, letting God possess them and them stepping out in that in the most quiet ways or demonstrative ways, but being possessed and then making a difference. God, it's like a seed that just washes into the ground and just brings forth a great harvest. Uh, how do I know? Because it happened to me. It happened to my brother. It happened to my sister. It happened to people in this place right here. I've watched it change our lives over and over again. Glory and level to level to level, man. This faith is important that we have. And then, of course, we know the definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know these scriptures, but they are foundational. What does that mean? That means when God has spoke to me, it's dropped to me and it's become substance that I live on. And that substance, I can't let go of it. I don't want to let go of it. It compels, it constrains, it drives my life and I'm living it in that hope of that that's there. The substance of things hoped for. Don't ever throw away your hope. I don't care how long it takes to come to fruition. That hope is a gem in your life. It's a gift in your life. The way God has spoken to you, the callings he's had. I want to be a nurse. I want to do this. I want to start a business. I, I know God will do it. I can do it righteously. These things are dropped in our lives or a way to be. I want to be kind. I want to be, author I want to be authority. I want to lead. I want to help. It doesn't matter. Each one or a different unction that God drops into that substance so powerful. Don't ignore it. It's the reality. It's what gives us life. And then it says, the evidence of things not seen, that no matter what, if I don't see it, I believe it, I speak it. God spoke things into being. He didn't deny what was there. He overcame it with what he spoke. We're not denying what's there. Of course we're not. We're not denying that we're in a broken world and it's a wreck. We are absolutely speaking into it with a greater reality and truth as we get to be that agent between heaven and earth and speak those things and carry them into our families, carry them into our workplaces, carry them into our dreams, carry them into every commerce of relationship that we have. How stunning, amazing, how simple, how profound, how powerful. And this is just the first point. <laughs> Just kidding you. That word is influence. We're powered to influence. I don't know if you guys put up there already or not. So, But when you're sowing, you're sowing the word, that kind of reaction, that kind of movement is happening in split seconds in the labor of our love and our day in and day out. And God knows the rhythm of every day. He knows the rhythm of weeks and months and seasons beautifully and hands them to us so that, so that we enjoy them. I get concerned about our culture that's so indulgent about controlling everything. I mentioned this in the first service, but I was saying, you know, Ecclesiastes, Solomon says he sets an order, he controls everything, and yet at the end of the day, he's completely, and I'm certainly paraphrasing, he says it's all in vanity. In other words, it's all about me. When you control your life and control becomes all about getting everything you want, then at the end of the day, if you get it all, it's almost like, and he does it time and time again. It's like entitlement. Does that make sense? And the adventure of the day and the, the course navigating and the applying the very attributes and characteristics of God that bring us life 
like integrity and love and, and sacrifice. When you do that and your day goes whatever way it goes, then when you get something beautifully handed to you or peace or a relationship, then it's like a gift that's given to you. And the deep appreciation is so different than entitlement. I hope that makes sense. And our world is moving toward control and entitlement. And it's just, it's such a waste about it because it's all about that one individual. What? Why? Where's the, and for most of us, we know we can't control the world. So we, we dive into it with those attributes of God, with faith, with love. And we find our way out into the chaos and all through the difficulties. And then through it, there's an expenditure of our life. There's a, there are difficulties. It is it weighs in on us, but when you get that moment of peace or you get that, you're, you know, you mow the lawn and you have a glass of water and it's like, all oh, is good in the world. I love you, God. That's what's so amazing. You receive that gift of peace. But we're running through our days so much trying to catch up and control it. Man, dive into it with all your heart. Roll your sleeves up with the attributes of God, the things that he's giving, the things you're learning with him. And at the end of the day, man, just step back. God, thank you, you broke through there. Thank you. You're receiving it. You're not controlling it. I hope this makes sense to you. I'm sure Mike Humphreys, he's so brilliant. He'd be a much better job at saying this. So we're, we're looking at two different worlds these days, and we've got to stand up. You have a voice. Seed the field you're in by speaking the word, living it, by sharing it with those around you. And then it breaks into people's hearts when you're authentic in this. It breaks into people's hearts. It breaks into your own heart. And then you're an agent of God. It's just stunning to be a part of this. God, how he works on all different levels, the tapestry, he's doing it to you, but doing it with the people around you. And you're all living honestly and genuinely. And God is moving and his kingdom is being built. But we get to look for this and pay, and pay attention to it. Second point, establish. I think Jesus established his kingdom wherever he was. Of course, we know that he spoke to men like Nathan under the fig tree, and that word jilted his life, man, and turned his heart. It's like, and just to finish this with the word, when you speak that word, it's like on the inside, people could be doing something, and they turn. It's almost like, you know, they're involved, and that word comes into the heart. What? It's almost like their spirit is like, what did you say? They could be cool on the outside, but they're turning toward, toward that word. Are you hearing me? When establishing, Jesus went everywhere and said, if it's not like the way it's supposed to be, we're going to set it right. He cleaned out the temple. He set things right. This is my house. will be a house of prayer. Establishing is so important. If you go to First Scripture, if you go to First Peter, let's make sure I have the right scripture. First Peter 5, verse 10. Don't you love your Bible, man? I just get it out sometimes. It's like your best old friend when you read it, isn't it? Okay, I'll be all right. So. <laughs> all right. But may the God of peace, verse 5, verse 10, here I am, who called us into eternal glory by Christ after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle. Isn't this a great little verse here? I love this little clause, after you have suffered a while. <laughs> Part of the design. Sorry, there's just no other way there is about this, okay? okay. You don't get faith without exercising faith. You don't get established without acting on the word of God. Would you agree with me? 
And so after you've suffered a little while, how many are in that little suffered a little while season right now? Oh, put your hands up. Seriously, okay? Because you're asking for help, because we do ask for help all the time, right? So, but after you've suffered a while, he'll perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. This is such a powerful scripture. In it, in it that it's perfect means to bring you maturity. What is that maturity? It's that I trust in God no matter what circumstances I'm in. That's what it really is. Not that you know about the town or you're Mr. Cool, you know your way around. It's like, God, here we go again. I just trust you. It's going to be interesting how this is going to work out, but I know you're going to work it out. That's what it's talking about, perfection, uh, and actually matureness about it. Establishing that you are unmoved and strong, that you're strengthened, I love that word, and settled. So that matter, even no matter the storm, you get up and go, oh, you guys have little faith. Just speak to the storm, right? I'm working on that. <laughs> just trying not to get rain all over sometimes. Just stop the rain. That can't even happen that way. So let's go to Romans chapter 16. I'm going to skip... Thessalonians, guys, so don't worry about it. Sure, you just pulled your phones up and went right there, really easy. Pages to him. Now to him who's able to establish you, I love that. Paul's closing here. According to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret from the world from, since the world began and now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for the obedience of faith. Wait, what? For the obedience of faith. Wait, what? For the obedience of faith. So here's this establishment. He's able to establish it, but what is the crooks of this? What's the turn pin on this is obedience. Yeah, I'm swearing at you. Absolutely. Okay. Actually, if you read Romans, the first chapter, it says that there's grace and apostleship for obedience. In other words, there's authority now that when you come into Christ, he gives you the grace to obey. Now there is zero excuse. <laughs> Sorry. And then we know in Samuel, it says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is this little word, just is such a little booger, isn't it? Seriously. I mean, even Chandi, you spoke about it, that Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered. Jesus, Jesus, the son of the living God, the son of glory, our savior and Lord, he learned obedience, learned obedience through the things he suffered. So now we're putting those two scriptures together. Come on. The things, when you suffer for a little while, then he'll perfect, establish you, strengthen you and settle you. And now to him who's able to establish you, it's for the obedience of the faith. Your obedience counts so much in the little things that we do. Obedience is one step at a time, and what it brings is an absolute transformation in your life. It's slow, but when you get there, it's amazing. How many want to be transformed? So we're not being the same ignorant person we were when we stepped into Christ, right? but we're growing in our effect with other people, cognizant of ourselves, aware of what we lack and what we, what we have strengths in. Every believer in this room should know his strengths and weaknesses, leaning into God for his weaknesses through the obedience of his soul, like God, show me how to be and what to do. Not just what I say, but how I say it. God, coach me with my wife. Coach me with my husband. Coach me with my friends. Begin to speak to me. Coach me with my attitude, seriously. Come on. And that transformation is the great hope that you have. 
Look at you, you're excited about this. Okay, I'll give you a stupid little example. I was driving with Pat about two weeks ago. We were on our way up to, to the Finger Lakes, weren't we? I said, Pat, if I complain about one more driver ever, you... because I believe, okay, this is really small, because I believe there are drivers and then there's whatever other beings there are out there. It doesn't really matter to me. So. I just hope they get from one place to the next somehow safely, but they have no real decision-making power. Okay, I'm not going to. It's a half a foot rub. It's a half a foot rub. So I said to her, if I complain about one more driver, you get a foot rub forever. And I actually told her, you can bait me if you want to. And you did yesterday. You baited me. And you know something? I went for it. She said, boy, he's not doing a very good job. He right. He's an idiot. <laughs> It's different than an idiot. It's an idiot. He's an idiot. Like, and like, oh, I went, oh, foot rub. I'm up to three right now. I'm, I, I thought I had about 25 if I did that. So, but so far, but I want to change. And so I put some things in it to make sure I obey. And when not only was I changing my mouth, but I want to change my attitude. Because I realized if, if these people were walking through a door, I would be like, oh, no, you first. But when I'm driving a car, like, get out of the way. Like, I, <laughs> Throw your license and keys out the window. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but how many know you want to, can I just get fed up with myself? Like, that's enough. You're not being who you really, okay. Don't judge me, people. Don't you dare judge me. So. But I will keep you up on how many foot rubs I'll owe you. <laughs> but transformation's our hope. But in transformation, then there's a power to demonstrate. We know in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, I didn't come to you in fiery speech. I didn't come to you in wisdom of, of the heavens. I didn't come to you in wisdom of man. But I came to you in demonstration of the spirit and power. Didn't he do that? Why? Because Paul was a transformed man. The things that he hated before, now he loved. The things that he loved before, now he hated. He had been changed from the inside out. And he could speak to now with compassion to those who are still in, in bondage and loving his, even those who are enemies and speaking the truth and love to them. And so he could demonstrate in the power of God. When he stretched out his hand to heal a person, he had been healed himself. When he stretched down his, his heart to speak truth to a person, he had been spoken the truth to himself. And he had been transformed by it. He had let it in. He had let it have its way, risking and chest checking his life and rearranging his life. And he allowed God to do that. And so in that transformation, that's why it's so important that the word comes in, that we value that word, because it says, take heed how you hear at the end of that. John 14, it talks about it, or John 4, Mark 4. And it, it's all about how that transformation happens in our life. And then we're able to demonstrate the power of God in our relationships and around us. Then we stretch out our heart, we stretch out our hand, it's different. And then it's so God, and then it's so not you when it happens that way. How many agree with me? No, these things are true. So the power to establish you, that's our great hope. We're transformed, then we demonstrate. We demonstrate without judgment, we do assess, we understand where people aren't and where they are, but we don't hold it against them. We extend the olive branch of God's life to them. We're running out of time. We have some assignments here in front of us. We have a whole world. If we learn to do this right, they will be at our door, at our homes, in our workplaces, and at this place. And we're going to wrap our arms around how every broken part of them. Let's stand up.
The last one I had is just standing since I'll just squeeze it in two minutes is Jesus revealed who the Father was. If we do the first two right, which is really amazing, then we get to be in the part of revealing who God is. I don't know if they're all in sequential order, but in John 14, we know the story. Philip says, show us the Father and then we'll be satisfied. And Jesus in these last times with him says, Philip, you've been with me all this time and you haven't recognized the Father. I am in him and he is in me. Let me take it a step further, actually. It says later on in the chapter that I am in him and he is in me and I am in you and you are in me. And actually, the close of that chapter, he says, and, we will, and he, my father will manifest himself to you. This is a very sacred and beautiful place as we pursue God. He comes into the very midst of our being and reveals himself and it is life changing what he does. I believe that for every soul on this planet, I don't care what background you are, when men cry out to God, he will reveal himself to them. The bigger, even bigger part of that is God is in our lives than people see God in us. This is the great get to and get, and that as we walk, as we share, they see God. Didn't you ever see someone walk in a room or meet someone and you knew God was speaking to you through them and you recognized that? And it wasn't about them. And we have our great leaders, some great men, women who've shared and here and across the, the nation. But what makes them amazing is that God takes up residence in their life and we see God in them. And the great thing we see is their surrender to him and allowing him to take over their lives. It's fascinating, isn't it? So now, without being blasphemous, I'm saying that God exists in our lives and people will see him as a result of us living for him. And that's our great hope. We're transformed. We embody him, his presence, his peace, his love, his, his adventure, like through Dylan and willingness to go get it, his peace through somebody else, the friendship through someone like Chris Fisher, who's such a true friend, strength just standing there like Sam McElwee. We see the God of strength, the God of friendship, the God of adventure through each person as we allow him to express himself through us. And they see God. It's wonderful. Come on, that's your hope, isn't it? The whole world's outside those doors. And we get to reach out to him. It begins in our home, in our soul, in our life. Let's ask the Lord for blessing here. Let's pray. Father, we love you. So glad we're here in your presence. We don't take it for granted. God, we ask you that you continually bring these truths to our hearts over the next weeks and months and days. God, that we seed our field with your word, beginning with our own homes, our own lives, our own souls, and everywhere we go, God, friend and foe alike. God, give us eyes to see your kingdom everywhere, your movement in us, in them, even those who are pitted against us. We will not wrestle against flesh and blood. We will reach out to principalities, powers of darkness that exist out there. Give us strength in the days ahead, we pray. For every day, the rhythm and beginning and end of it, God, that we give back to you and we enjoy it. 
We enjoy the exercise. We enjoy the walkthrough. We enjoy the breath, the speaking, the giving and receiving, and the valuing. God, remind us day upon day, hour upon hour, morning, noon, and night. As the months pass, God, we pray we grow in grace and strength to see your kingdom come. You will be done beginning in us and then for everywhere our hearts and our hands can reach. We ask for your grace. God, help us be your people. Teach us your ways that we may walk daily in your truth. Unite our hearts to fear your name. We bless you and love you. you say amen to that? Amen. All right. We've got a big fall ahead. Beautiful autumn. Let's enjoy it, all right? The, the, the altar's open for healing. I have to tell you something. We had a great release on Friday night. I personally got profoundly, significantly healed when I had one of those things, and I woke up the next morning, and now I don't. And it was really, really great, okay? And I had to check myself and go, really? I can't believe it. Then I said, I can't believe. I said, I can't believe it. You know what I mean? So, but I was healed. And Ann had a healing too as well. It's a significant healing. So let's keep it rolling, all right? So if you need healing, come forward. If your soul needs healing, come forward. We're private, we're confidential, but we believe in an encounter with God under the anointing that he has here. All right, let me bless you now to him who's able to keep you from falling. Can you imagine that? Keep you from falling. That's his miraculous power. And present you faultless, another miracle. Blameless before the Father, I bless you. Have a great week. Embrace every moment in Jesus' name. Okay, get out of here. Thank you so much. <laughs>